Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast. Today, I have David Bellman here with me, and we met a couple of years ago when he was starting a networking group that was really powerful and impactful um, to me on the journey that I was on and really appreciated hearing his story about being in family business. And so I would love to share it with all of you today. David, if you don't mind giving us a little bit of background and just jumping right in, that's where we go. Fantastic. Well, thank you for having me on, Jamie. appreciate it. And yeah, I am a you know, serial entrepreneur myself and uh, grew up in a family business. So um, I always tell the story. Uh, people ask, how did I get involved? I'm in a home builder, land developer, and realtor by trade. And uh, my story is I literally grew up in the home building business because it was in the basement of our house. And um, so as a little kid, the conversations at the dinner table were around home building and customers and contractors. And so that just became part of my vernacular early on. But, um, you know, I really got started into the building business. Um, I would say my key moment was probably when I was about nine years old. And I always like to tell this story. It's kind of a funny little story. and Maybe it doesn't reflect as well on me, but um, it, was, it was a learning moment. Uh, so anyway, it was a Saturday morning and nine years old, I'm bored. I want to play with dad. You know, he's sitting at the kitchen table. He's got his feet up on the table and he's reading the newspaper and I, I come walking in the room and, uh, I had to get his attention. So I said, dad, I'm bored. Expletiveless. I won't say the word. I, yeah. So, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't a good word. Um, but, uh, I got his attention. He folded up the newspaper. I said, okay, come with me. Um, and uh, we, we go to the garage, he grabs his coat, and uh, we go in the truck. I'm like, sweet, we're going to go go get ice cream or something. I don't know. I didn't know what we were going to do. And uh, we're driving down the road, and you can turn left or right. Left kind of goes into town, and right goes to not really anywhere. And we turn right. Oh, boy, here we go. And if you've ever been in the car with my dad, like, if you were anywhere near a job site that he had, we always had to, like, veer off and check the job. So I was like, oh, here we go. We're checking the job. But it was, it was different. He's like, okay, get out. I was like, okay. And he goes around the back of the truck and he pulls out a broom and a shovel and he hands it to me and goes, start at the top and work your way to the bottom. I'll be back in two hours. And he left me there. And it's like, clean out the house. So, you know, I grew up in an era. There was no cell phones or anything like that. This is a house in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing else around it. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm cleaning a house out right now. And, uh, that's what he did. And I cleaned the house out. And of course, the end of the day, uh, when he came back and got me, um, he gave me a check, which was kind of cool when you're nine years old to get a check. Um, and, uh, you know, I learned a lot. I learned the value of hard work. I learned the value of a dollar. And I learned don't ever tell my dad I'm bored. David, I am over here smiling so big because we grew up in parallel ways. I did not get a check at the end of the day um, for some of the work, but the rest of it, I, I literally grew up with a home building, de- real estate development type family. I mean, we were riding our Hot Wheels on a gravel road and I thought it was super fun. And then come to find out, you know, we were buying the development. Like I didn't know, I didn't care. I was just looking for somewhere to ride Hot Wheels. And, you know, when mom would meet, meet with the customers in the house, I was the one to bring them water. And so, as I got older and she was meeting with clients and she was asking them, you know, where do you want your electrical? I remember thinking, I'm never building a house. Like this sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's awesome. 
there was weird things, you know, being at home. Um, it was always the customers were supposed to come in. We had a walkout basement, so I was supposed to come in, you know, the basement. And I remember once or twice we had some person mad about something and they walked right up to the front door on a Saturday at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. And, you know, I'm just a kid answering the door and they want to talk to your dad. And it's like, yeah, don't, don't you know, <laughs> so I learned like, don't, don't let this person in or whatever, you know, I was like, oh boy. Um, so I didn't, there wasn't that boundary between home and work early on until I think it was 1994 when we built our own building and kind of moved out uh, of, of the basement, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was always weird. And, and sometimes I'd be home alone and there'd be somebody coming in and out of the basement. And I'd sometimes go down there and it's like, it's kind of weird. Like people just walking in and out of your house, you know? Um, so yeah, I didn't, didn't always know those boundaries as a kid. And that was one of the weird things with the family business. Yeah. Literally the timeline sounds almost exactly the same too, because my parents were, um, it was close to 94 that they would have built their office and that's crazy. (laughs) It finally moved out of the house. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in all of the dinner table conversations. I mean, I usually, um, you know, ate extra long so that I could be a part of them for as long as possible. And then I actually cleaned up the kitchen so that I could hear them. And I, I absolutely was left on the job site with a broom. My sister and I made up songs to entertain ourselves because, you know, we're super duper sweepers. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I, I learned like early, like, I don't really like doing this, so I don't yeah. want to do this the rest of my life. So, right, right. you know, I did it. And, uh, you know, there's other times I remember he left me at a job site and I was cleaning up the yard and I stepped on a board with a nail on it. Mm. And again, in the middle of nowhere, there's nobody around. Um, again, no cell, no cell phones. And, you know, my foot's bleeding and I'm kind of limping around. I'm like, well, I finished the job, you know, and this was like, yeah. hey, dad, look, comes back. And it's just like, I, I couldn't imagine doing that now to my kid, you know. That's what I was just going to ask. Is your, does your daughter have the same experience growing up? No, I, I've been a little more kind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she is actually working for me on occasion. So um, she's in high school. So actually, starting this semester, she's coming in twice a week for about three to four hours. She gets early release. So uh, she's doing more marketing and, and computer stuff. Mm. So um, I, I don't know that yeah she would take too well to me just throwing her on a job site. I mean, it was very good character building. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I think uh, she's definitely more of an intellectual uh, early on. So we're going to, we're going to lean into that. And, um, I don't want to scare away from the business, but you know, it makes it a little harder. You can't keep treating with kid gloves, but sometimes you, right. you know, you want to make sure that, um, she has expressed an interest in working for me and potentially doing stuff with the company in the future. So, um, trying to ease her in, uh, and have a little different experience than what I had. So let's be realistic here a little bit. At what age does a business really become a multi-generational business? Like how old are the kids when that business starts to become multi-generational? And at what age is that entrepreneurial, um, whatever we call it, running in the DNA? Like we're literally born into it. I mean, I was riding in a pickup truck plowing snow with my dad when I was two. Okay. I wasn't doing the plowing. I'm sure I was part of the problem, but actually that's just the earliest I remember it. You know, I probably grew up literally on the job site. I mean, my parents actually said that when they put me down on the floor in the house that they were building, I, they liked it that I didn't pick up the nails, you know, like, (laughs) so I must've been crawling. Like, yep. Yeah. I think, um, it's probably different for everybody, but I definitely think once you're, you know, I look back at that nine, 10 year old age and that's kind of when I got interested in the industry because I got exposed to it. And sometimes it's just all, you know, 
And I think with my daughter, it was similar. It might have been more like around 11, um, 11 or 12. But like we had a weird experience, too, because of COVID. They basically shut schools down and had to do all online classes. And I, I felt bad for her because I'm like, she's stuck at home all day looking at a computer screen. And so um, what I did for her was I said, hey, w- one day a week, I'm going to come get you. And, you know, I checked on her, you know, at lunchtime and stuff to make sure she was doing what she's supposed to. But um, I'm like, hey, we're going to go. And I had a subdivision we were starting. So she um, went out to, you know, first saw this as a farmland and we saw the farmhouse and then we tore the farmhouse down. She got to go back and see that. So I take her once a week to the subdivision. And it was really cool, especially over the summer. I took her out there and she saw, you know, the road grading equipment and the, um, you know, the back lo- backhoes and uh, front end loaders and the dump trucks and everything. And um, I took her out there just not knowing what she would think. And uh, also she's pulling out her phone and taking all these pictures. And then she's like, dad, can we come back again next week? I want to see what it looks like next week. I was like, oh, she's kind of hooked on this now. And so that I think kind of triggered her. So sometimes you don't realize at first what, you know, what is going to get their excitement or get their attention. She's been in my office before that. And I think she just sees people at desks and that's kind of boring. And then to see an actual house go up. And then the other thing that was interesting as well is that, um, so my father died a couple of years ago. It was right before COVID actually. And then my mom wanted to build a house. So I'm, I'm building a house for my mom. And I, I took her out to my mom's house that we're building. And so she got to see that, you know, see the hole in the ground and see the framing. And then I had her help sweep out the house. <laughs> so she did get that experience. Um, and then, um, you know, get to see grandma's house now all done. And so I think that was really neat for her to see, like, this is literally what dad does. It's not just sitting behind a desk and talking on the phone all day. We're we're actually making something. We're making, you know, transforming land and subdivisions and I think that definitely got her much more interested. Yeah, I didn't realize growing up that um, other kids didn't know what their parents did for a living. Like we were so engaged. You know, I would see my mom sitting at the dining room table working on plans after supper and, you know, just trying to fit that closet in just right. And, And we grew up, I literally grew up laying block with dad. I mean, when you talk about being left on a job site for two hours, my experience was actually being left in a bulldozer and being told to push the dirt towards the house. And I was probably 14. And I'll tell you, I should not have been left in the bulldozer. Now I was careful enough that I probably just got nothing done. I literally moved dirt. Yeah. Pushing a little couple pieces of dirt. That was not not much. Well, times were different then. It it was like, people didn't care as much. And, you know, we were, we weren't treated with kid gloves as much. It was like, Hey, figure it out. And, uh, you know, I remember too, as I was getting my driver's license, my dad, uh, we were out in one of the subdivisions and I didn't have my license yet. And he's like, here, take the keys, drive the truck around the the empty dirt roads and get comfortable driving. And I did. And he's like, come back in like 15 minutes. And I'm driving around an empty road. I'm like, Oh, there's nothing I was going to hit other than dirt. So, um, yeah, that's just weird. Like, I don't think people would do that these days. I'm going to date myself. My dad left me um, probably nine o'clock at night on a school night in a Kmart parking lot and said, plow, and I'll be back. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was 14. <laughs> but that that's was crazy. back in the day when Kmart was around. Oh, yeah. yeah. But again, <laughs> I seen what Kmart wasn't want. open. You know, like there was really nothing for me to do except for wait for him to come back. So I might as well start plowing. But you got a real skill out of it, too. It's like, Absolutely. okay, now you know how to, to drive a truck with a plow. And I need to drive um, the plow. I can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, again, like 
kids these days don't get those physical skills. They- it's tough, David. Mm-hmm. I want my kids. I have six boys. I want them to have access to these opportunities. And when I was a part of and connected to my dad's business, they did have a lot of those opportunities. But at the same time, what I started to realize is that they weren't always wanting the same opportunities. And to get opportunities for today in today's environment, um, I don't know how to help them as much. You know, like the digital online space, you know, YouTubing, software, gaming. Yeah. I'm there's, like, there's just so much that they can get into and they get distracted by. And you yeah. know, some of them, you know, do really good with that and they turn it into a business. And the problem is there's so many kids that they all want to be YouTubers and influencers. And, you know, there's only so much, you know, yeah. bandwidth out there. And what the kids don't see is they see the final product. And they're like, oh, look at this is fun. But they don't see like most of the ones that are really successful. They're literally streaming almost all day. They have a team behind them that are editing yes. it. And they're spending a ton of money on this on top of it. And kids don't always see that. And so, you know, there's just such an opportunity to get involved in, especially the building industry and the trades right now. And you can make a real living. You now can fix your own things. Um, There's always opportunity for side jobs. And there's just less and less people getting into that. So that means there's more and more opportunity. And these trades are getting paid really, really well. Yeah. And you can make a huge living. And again, you know, you can have, you know, the philosophical conversation about should you go to college or just get into work? And, you know, for a lot of kids that don't enjoy the college experience, they don't enjoy the classroom, that just like to be busy and work with their hands, they should get into trades right away. They're going to make a ton of money. They're going to have no debt and they're going to do really well and they're going to love what they do. So we've talked a little bit about our past and how much they align. What I'd love to dig into, David, is a little bit more on how you were able to transition the business, because this is something that not very many people are able to do successfully. Yeah, that's uh, that's always the hard part. And, um, you know, again, with, with being a family business, um, I'll preface it that my dad started the company. Uh, my mom was involved with it for many years, and then she kind of pulled herself out. And then I had a brother uh, involved with the business as well, and his older brother, so he had been in it, uh, you know, for several years before for me. And, uh, you know, for example, my brother is 11 years older than I am. So there's a pretty big age difference. Um, his path is a little different in that, you know, he actually wanted to be an electrician growing up. And he was kind of denied that opportunity um, because they knew we had a building business. They said, well, why, why, why be an electrician when you can work in this family business? And it was really competitive back then. So I don't think he ever got to do what he really wanted to do in life. So he was he was in the family business and early on worked really hard and then got got to a point in his life where I don't think he loved the business and it was very difficult so the 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 way we planned on transitioning the business initially and how it got transitioned were were kind of different so the original plan was my brother and I were going to start our own building company and then the idea was was to phase down my father's company and then sort of phase up the company my brother and I had so he had a company called Don Bellman Homes, and we just created Bellman Homes to try and be a little bit more just general, you know, um, that way it'd be more timeless. And so uh, I was like 1999, my brother and I started the business and, you know, started working on it and stuff. And then um, this went on for about 15 years and um, got to the point, though, where about halfway through the partnership that I had with my brother, uh, you know, he, he just, he and I had different working uh I don't know how to explain it other than to say um, uh, different motivations about work. And so uh, I was, you know, there daily and doing all the main things. And he started showing up kind of at 1030 in the morning. And 
would pop in for a little bit, then go out to lunch for an hour and then come back for a little bit and then disappear. And um, it got to the point where there was that. And so he lost a lot of the, the respect and the trust from the staff. And then the other thing that started to get more difficult is I was elevated as the leader, basically. And my father also started to, at that point, he moved down to Arizona part-time. So he was only there for half the year. So I was basically sort of running the show. Uh, but then my brother would come in and be like, wanted to be in charge, sort of. So he would just come in and start barking out a few orders. And then he'd leave and the staff would then come back to me and be like, hey, your brother said this, should we do that? It doesn't seem right, should we do this? And I'm like, no, we never do this. You know, So it, it started to like undermine and it, it was just getting difficult. And uh, it was hard for me as well because you know we were equal partners, but not equal in the work. And so, you know, I put up with it because I'm like, it's for the greater good. It's family business. And I did that for a long time. And then what happened was it just got to the point where I was like, I don't even want to go to work in my own office anymore. I don't like coming here. I'm stressed out. Um, there's too much drama. And, you know, I'm like, I know how to do all this. Like, why do I keep putting up with this? And so um, you know, I had to make the difficult decision uh, to to basically do something about it. And so you know, I first talked to my dad about it before anything. And he was like, I, I know what's going on. I can see it. Like, and he's like, I, I want you to know that I support you, but I don't want to get in the middle of it. I was like, okay. Uh, so what does that mean exactly? He's like, well, you do what you need to, you know, what you have to do. And so I'm like, well, I'm, I need to, I need to get him out of the business, dad. I mean, this was also during a time, if I can preface this by saying, this was right around 2011. So we're just coming out of one of the the really bad housing recessions from 2007 to kind of lasted even into 2012. And I was looking at going, I'm starting to you know get more involved with ownership of this business. Times are tough. He's drawing a huge salary, not really participating as much in the business. This business isn't going to survive if I don't do something about it. And I cared about all the people in my company. Uh, they're like my family. And I also care that, you know, if I'm going to put in all this work, that I want something that's going to be there and it's going to last. And so I knew if I didn't do something about it, there wasn't going to be anything to have in the future. And so, you know, I had to do kind of the double whammy of kind of firing my brother and then having to go back and buy him out of the company and and then also make peace with my parents about it. And so uh, it was very awkward. Um, it was difficult. Uh, it wasn't easy at first. Um, and yeah, I mean, I got um, sort of attacked a bit from uh, his uh, his wife, and she didn't understand it. Um, and uh, I just knew at that point, like, I whatever I do, I have to do it the best way I can, and I have to show everybody that this was the right decision for the company. And so I I was really focused inwardly on doing everything right, being a good leader, and learning as much as I can, and growing. And I mean, it was great for me because it was really transformative, and that I I pushed myself to levels I never got to before. But at the same time, I was, you know, I, I, I had a lot to prove. And I think I did that. But uh, it was it was wasn't easy. You know, I was called some bad things. Um, but I was just trying to do the right thing at the end of the day. And I always tried to do it in a way that showed that, you know, I, I was I was doing the right thing by the business. And uh, I'll say this to wrap up the thought, you can ask whatever you want. But um, the evidence showed like, I mean, after we got that finished and completed, like our sales went up, we started getting these really huge positive reviews. We won all sorts of awards. 
Um, and all these really great things started to happen. So it was like you had to kind of remove that bad situation from the company. And I love my brother. We, we're getting along good now, but it was difficult. And, you know, you don't ever want to say anything bad about him. I mean, he's one of the kind of people where you meet him and he's just a fun guy and he's really like people really like him, but it's just like he just wasn't cut out to run a business. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that vulnerable portion of what it's like because um, we see business owners and their families tied in and they don't know how to navigate that transition. And what you said about becoming a better leader and really pouring into that is what I'd like to see more of, you know, but we don't necessarily realize that we need that, you know, like we don't know where to get it. I mean, I just remember not, not feeling like I had any other resources trying to Google it, you know, and now being fully connected in to where the resources are and what types of resources I need. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. And I, we had, um, the, the one thing that helped me, and I, I don't know if I would have ever gotten through this without it, but I had a business coach that I was working with and, you know, initially my brother and I were both meeting with them and then it became apparent as we were trying to raise the bar on the company, we, a lot of things were happening at the same time. So it's, it's hard to just tell the story really quickly, but basically we were trying to elevate the, the company. And so we were building in a vision, a mission and culture. Uh, we we're doing a lot more goal setting. We're just doing a lot of the really big picture stuff that we probably should have been doing many years ago. We just didn't know. I didn't know. Um, so, you know, the, the coach was helping us with this, but it became apparent to him as well as we're going through this, like, David, you're doing all this stuff. Like every time we'd meet, my brother wouldn't come back with anything. He wouldn't be doing anything. And it's like, okay, does he even care? And I was like, he just, it just was apparent. He just didn't, wasn't buying into it. And and then it became apparent to the team as well. But um, I had that person there that I could, talk to and strategize through this a bit. And he got to see it firsthand and uh, it was invaluable to me. So I, anybody that has a business, whether you're going through this or you're just needing help, it's always good to have a coach or somebody that um, can take another set of eyes on your business, kind of help you see your blind spots and then also just help you work through it. And so there was times where it was like, I think he would have pulled the plug if it was him, you know, a, a year earlier, but you know, I had to go through it my way and my process. And, you know, he helped me through that. And, you know, we just didn't step. So this is what we need to get done first. This is what we need to do next. And I I, I made sure that I had a backup plan if it didn't work. Because um, that's what I needed to do to feel comfortable to make, make that decision. Yeah. So I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned that you were in partnership and part owner. And that is something that is a little bit of a difference that I've noticed in the ones that are able to transition. It's because someone, the other family member has part ownership. And there's a lot of family businesses where the parents don't ever figure out how to transition and they don't have to. And so they end up like self-destructing technically, because they would rather do that than start turning over a percentage of ownership to kids they don't think are ready. And I'm not sure if you've seen that, but I think that's a powerful part of what you had going on. I I mean, kind of struggled that with my dad too, because even though I was kind of running things, he never wanted to like sell anything of the business or, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, he was 81. He never stopped working. Thank you. (laughs) Because that's, I'm normalizing this. So retirement does not happen for entrepreneurs from my perspective. If it does, it's 84, not 62. Like, let's just normalize this. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, he just loved the business, right? So I mean, he didn't want to really get out of it, but you know, his way of getting out was, okay, I'm going to go down to Arizona for four months. Uh, you know, every, every winter and that's great. And we supported him on it and I was able to run everything. 
but it would always be like, okay, the week before he came back, it's like, okay, let's make sure this is, you know, we had to kind of, and there's certain things where, you know, I was moving everything more to digital and online. Um, you know, we have a, a, a web-based platform for job management, all that kind of stuff. My dad didn't even use a computer. Right. So right. like, then we'd have to like, okay, let's go make some paper. So he had his thing, you know, cause he just didn't do yeah. it. So we like had to almost have two different ways of doing business. It was like, here's how we're doing it when he's not around. And then here's what we need to do when he's back. Um, and, and, and not that we did anything nefarious. It was just, mm-hmm. he just liked to do things his way. And so, and he would call and check in once in a while, but he definitely, you know, stepped back that way. But I would re- remember approaching him about certain things like, Hey, this piece of land, I want to get going on this. I want to start developing it. But I, I mean, I don't want to put all this time and effort into it if I'm not going to, you know, benefit from it. And so it's like, can I buy this from you? And then, no, 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 that's part of your inheritance. You'll get that someday. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, we don't have enough lots to build homes on. So right. I'm like, if I don't start on this project, we don't have anything. And mm-hmm. he wouldn't give me an answer on that. So he went out and bought an, another piece of land um, instead because I'm like, I, we, I'm not going to be able to stay in business if I don't have property. So, you know, the, those were, he never really like gave me the plan or this is how I'm envisioning this. And so that was frustrating. And then after he passed, it was challenging because then it was like, okay, now I got to you know meet with all the lawyers and get things out of the family trust. And then it was like, okay, now I have to go back, you know, and my mom's like, I don't want any of this, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, I had my brother again. So I'm like, I bought my brother out of the business. And then like four years later or five years later, now I have to work with him again and buy the land out of the trust. And I'm like, <laughs> all I felt like I was doing, and as I'm still for another year or two, yeah. every year I'm writing my brother a check. And I'm yeah. like, this is crazy. I just feel like all I'm doing is working <laughs> and then giving someone else my money. And, you know, I'm, I'm near the end, but um, it will work out in the future because now I have all the assets. And every time I sell and build something, so like these years are kind of like what I call the lean years. And then in a mm-hmm. couple of years, everything that I sell is going to be just assets that I've accumulated, but it's, it's been challenging. Cause it's like, yeah, that's, you know, I'm land rich and cash poor, but it just, mm-hmm. because it wasn't really planned out the way that I would have envisioned it, you know, and, um, had I known the plan differently, you know, I could have worked at it differently and maybe made it a little easier on myself right now. That's funny. I have to ask, do you happen to know some of your personalities? Like, do you know your Myers-Briggs? And if you do, don't tell me, I want to guess. Um, well, I, I know DISC, so yeah. Okay. Um, well, the Myers-Briggs one, you sound a lot like me because the ENTJ personality, when we're under stress, the way that I sound is, it's fine. It's fine. I can operate without a plan. If you would have told me there's not a plan, then I could have planned on there not being a plan. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, I like to know what's going on. I definitely have that um, in me for for sure. So yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So um, you mentioned about your dad not really knowing, you know, what to do. And I think that's one of the things that I've started to also normalize in conversation is recognizing that the older generation doesn't know. And that the, the next generation, it really is their place to start to realize and start to really want and desire something to the point where they can go and ask for it. And what you did in that work, it sounds like is got clear on that because a lot of kids don't do that work. And so then they can't go to their parents and specifically say, this is what I want. Now, again, he said no when it came to building the lots, but at least you got to the point where you knew what you wanted and you knew what you needed enough to ask. Because when we wait for our parents to do that for it, they don't. 
Yeah. They're waiting and for I us. And I mean, I, I totally get that. And I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, 47 now. And, you know, I've got a 16-year-old daughter. She's definitely not ready or capable or anything. And it's like, okay, you know, let's start having the conversation of, is this something you want to do? I don't expect an answer from her right now. You know, I she might be going to college and all those kind of things. So I, I look at it as I've got another decade here that I need to run the company and do all the things. Um, but but somewhere in that decade, maybe in the next five years, we got to start having the conversation. Is this a business that you want to get into? Is this something you're serious about? Um, and it, the answer could be either one, right? Mm-hmm. If it's if not, that's an okay answer. If it is, that's that's an acceptable answer as well. But then we have to figure out, okay, what what which direction do we go? And I, I'd like to have hopefully a better situation here where if she does say yes, this mm-hmm. is a business I want to be involved with. Okay, how do we you know, start to you know get you everything you need um, so that you're in a position to, to start to take things over, and I can start to phase back and and those kind of things. And if if, if it's not that answer, then then it's okay. All right, now I have to work on finding someone that, you know, eventually will want to get involved with it and that I sell it to. Um, and so, you know, I don't have that answer right now. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's again, okay. But, you know, I, I want to have those conversations earlier rather than all of a sudden I'm looking at myself in the mirror as an 80 year old, still working every day going, what am I, what the hell am I doing? You know? Yeah. And I do think that what I'm seeing is that around 59 and a half, all of a sudden the business owners, you know, it's like they kind of make it through the tough part. Like where you're maybe at right now where you're seeing, okay, I'm not sure if I want to be working here for the rest of my life. And then all of a sudden you get past whatever this next 10 years look like. And you're like, you know what? I'm not done yet. I'm not ready to be done. I'm not washed up. I can still like, this is actually working well because I don't have to work every day. And, um, so we see this 59 and a half, all of a sudden, the relationship between the, the parents and the kids totally changes where they thought they were going to want to hand it off. And they started talking about that and then they don't. And so I think the question that I would like to ask the next generation or the, you know, those that are in that 58 to 62, 65, something like that is who are you needing to become? Because it's time for you to grow. It's time for you to make space for the next generation. Even if it's still within the company you're in, like you, you became a leader the last time there was this next level of growth, right? Like what's next? Yeah. I think, you know, that's important to to have that conversation and and carve out, you know, their niche in that place. And I can totally see that happening because even just like we had a blizzard the other day and it's like, okay, I was home for like four days in a row, you know, two were off and then two with the weather. And I was like, okay, by day three, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of getting like, (laughs) my wife's like. Yeah, I wish you were out of here right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have to be doing stuff. I have to be mm-hmm. productive. And so I, I can see that as I get older, that I might still have that perspective as well. You've and, been a creative. You've been a creator. You've been a visionary. You've you've led people. And so now to just turn around and say, well, I guess I'm going to watch something for a little bit. Like, that's not who you are. I mean, yeah, what are some? What, what are some? of the crazy cool things that you've gotten to do in the last couple of years that you honestly probably never believed you would have done. Oh, that's been a lot. Um, you know, I've, I've been really fortunate. Uh, part of my growth is I've, I've given back a lot to the, the builders association. And so I've been asked to lead that. And so I've been president of the local builders association. Uh, and then I, I was, I think one of the first ones that ever went right from my local builders association to becoming president of the state builders association the following year. And then I also became on the board for the National Builders Association. 
when I was state president, I had the opportunity, I actually got to lead a meeting with the Speaker of the House. And I was literally in a room with like 10 people in the Speaker House. And they they kind of warned me, they're like, he just likes to talk. And so like, we need to get these things discussed. So they're like, you got to take control of the meeting. So like, I, I walked in there right away. And I'm like, this is the third most powerful person in the country right now. And I got to tell him what's up. And, you know, it was like, I, I told the joke and kind of caught him off guard. And I said, oh, hey, this is the stuff we need to talk about. We got these six things. And also he was just like, oh, okay, well, what's your list? And then I was like, literally just like that. I'm like, I'm running a meeting with the Speaker of the House. Holy crap. Um, so that was a really cool thing. Um, and then the other kind of neat stuff that I've been able to do is one of the things that's important to me with, with the business was um, I had this sort of exercise about uh, building your legacy. And, and, and that really was transformative to me that I, I wanted to build more than just a company. I wanted to build something long lasting. And, and um, so we got involved with this organization called Operation Finally Home. And it's where we, we find a wounded veteran and we, we give them a brand new mortgage-free home, completely free of charge. And so that's not something you take lightly, like give a free home away to somebody that's a, that's a huge commitment. Uh, and it's a lot of work, but it was something I wanted to do. And and so um, when you have a business and, and you get to a point um, where you get it sustainable, it gives you the ability and the flexibility to do whatever you want in your life. And so that gave me the ability to be able to give back and give um, a home to a veteran. So uh, it was such a great experience that we did it six more times and we're going to do a seventh one. So it's now turned in this whole other thing that I do besides just building homes. You have purpose in addition to, and really leaning into what is the legacy that you want to create and who are you as a person? I mean, you've written a book, you've started a podcast and those things don't necessarily make your business better overnight, but they change who you are as a person, right? And how you show up. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, again, all this kind of stemmed from going through that very difficult situation with my brother. Um, and, and I had to elevate myself and elevate who I was. Um, and so a lot of that was introspective work that then became outward within the business. But the other thing is that it, um, you know, when you, when you kind of go through that process, yeah, you start to look at, you know, I was 40 at the time or whatever. And it's like, okay, you know, if my life ended today, would I be happy with it? And I wasn't, I didn't like that answer. I wanted people to think more and, and, uh, you know, more of me and, and things like that. And I said, I, I've got to, I've got to start making bigger choices or bigger decisions and do more with my life. And so that's kind of where I got involved with that. And I just happened to find something that um, was meaningful to me and a great people. And I also needed something positive during that time because it was a very difficult time. Again, people were, my mom called me a robot, um, which wasn't, you know, I didn't really like hearing that, but it was like, well, would a robot give homes away to wounded veterans and you know, spend all this time doing that? No. Um, so I think there was some like, hey, I got to prove myself uh, kind of thing. But, um, you know, that that really pushed me to be better. And then it pushed me into helping others and build that legacy. And then so part of that's in my, my book, uh, Leadership Growth Hacks is the name of the book. Um, and, and the book is really designed for like younger uh, people that want to grow their leadership and, and uh um, a lot of things that I put to use to make myself better were, were written in that book, techniques and different things. Um, and then, yeah, the podcast is um, for, forces me to constantly be better because 
Mine's all about home building. So it's called the Home Building Hero. And we talk about any anything and everything related to home building. And so I'm talking industry news. I'm talking trends. So that forces me every day to kind of be on top of this stuff and be the thought leader. And so I'm constantly looking for different pieces um, of trends or, or shifts or new things coming out and being able to talk about that on the podcast. And it's supposed to be a consumer podcast when I started, but it's actually also heavily listened to by the industry because people are finding a lot of value in that and it's helping them with their business or helping them understand what's going on uh, in the industry as well. So it, it kind of all comes together. And yeah, I don't necessarily make sales off my podcast and never tried to. My podcast makes me a better leader and a better owner though. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's just little things like that, that we don't know until we step into trying something new. And as business owners, we're often trying something new. Like you said, you know, maybe buying new land or going into a new space for development. And so I think we feel like we're stumbling around in the dark a lot and it doesn't necessarily feel like there's a correct way to get the A, you know, the way that we might've thought in school. Like, could you tell me what the assignment is again? Because I'm I'm really thinking I'm getting it. And I think for myself, I thought that um, in the real world, the assignment was to get to be financially stable, you know, in addition to maybe a couple things like getting married, having kids and having a car, (laughs) you know, it was like, well, we maybe judge ourselves based on the financial report card. But the reality is there's a whole, whole lot more to life, wealth, rich success, you know, like all those words and what they mean. What do you think about with that in mind? No, it's, it's totally true. And you know, the success is only what you define it as. So everybody's definition of success should be different and can be. And so for some, you know, it's, it's, yeah, maybe it's just, okay, I want to own my house and have a car and and that's fine. And that's, that's good for them. And others want to give back or whatever it is. Maybe they want to travel more. Um, You know, I think, you know, is is the title of this is business addicts. You know, I think, um, unfortunately I, I addicted it, you know, in my business, I I work a lot. Um, I'm not happy to say this, but like last year I didn't take a vacation and like that shouldn't happen. Like you, you start a business, so you have some flexibility. You know, we had some situations happen. I had a staff member that she got married, had a honeymoon, had a baby, maternity leave, like all this happened in the same year. And so she was out a lot. So I had to keep filling in for her. And then I had another staff member that had serious health issues that had to step out for a while. So I kept like jumping back in to different parts of the business. And so like this year, I'm bowing. Nope, we're, we're taking two full vacations this year. I'm making up for the one that I didn't take last year, taking another one. But yes, yeah, so that's the, the dark side of sometimes having a business is that, yeah, I mean, you're, you're sort of the last line of defense. So, you know, if, if somebody leaves or something happens, you know, you got to be able to fill in. And a lot of people don't understand that, especially if they worked a nine to five job. They don't understand that, you know, hey, the phone rings on the weekend, you got to answer it, or you get an email, or you got a problem, or going to drop what you're doing once in a while, um, especially in real estate. Like someone wants to see a house and want to buy a house. Guess what? You want to make the sale, you know, you got to break your plan sometimes and go do it. Right. Yeah. There's so much more to dig into here. And especially because, um, you know, I like to create systems and sustainable businesses and yet Um, you know, like we've done that even with our house and our family, like we've created this life that we're so comfortable in that we don't even need to take a vacation from it. And I think, you know, in so many ways that sounds good, but yet what I'm also realizing is that we're, we're made for challenges. We're made for, you know, survival in some ways. And so when we get to that point where we're coasting, 
what is that really saying? You know, what is the next challenge that we're ready to take on? Oh yeah. I, you know, it's easy to get complacent after a while. And I think I've done that too. Like again, going through a lot of coaching, I was pushing myself like to the very limit. Right. But I did that for six, seven years in a row. And I was just like, okay, got to get this next mouse. I've got to sell more. I got to do that. You know, it's like, and it gets to the point where you get burned out, you know, and I, I think I did that as well, where it's like, okay, gosh, I, if I, I, yeah, I don't know if I got another year doing it this hard. Right. So, um, you know, businesses is, works fine the way it is. It doesn't necessarily have to be bigger. And I kind of learned with my building business that it was like, you know, actually we were more profitable. Um, the one year when we built a few less homes than, than, than the year where we built, you know, uh, you know, record number, because sometimes you're putting stress on every part of the business and every system. And sometimes more, more sales doesn't necessarily mean more profit. And I found that if we kind of limit the number of homes we build to a certain amount, we can actually be more profitable. Um, and so because you, you start, you know, finding more mistakes that you can fix early on, or, you know, you can just have everything in, in a certain way and under control. Whereas like you start doing too much, all the wheels start falling off everywhere and else. And everybody's making little mistakes and all those mistakes cost a few dollars here and a few dollars there. And they add up to huge dollars later. So, um, yeah, sometimes it's, it's not bigger. Isn't always better. You have a great way of sharing stories and bringing us in and along with us on the ride. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. And I know there's so much more we could talk about. Is there anything that you feel has been left unsaid for today? No, not really. I think um, the, the only thing I would add on is just for anyone listening is, you know, someone always told me that the um, your business only grows as much as you grow. So if you're not willing to grow and invest in yourself, then most likely your business isn't going to grow. So you have to constantly put a little bit of time aside for yourself and make sure that you're working on yourself just as much and then try and pass it on to your team as well and get them um, to, to buy into that and get them to work and focus on themselves as well. And that's, that's how you can really get some exponential growth. I have to ask, did you learn that in high school? No, I learned that from <laughs> my business coach because uh, yes. I'll tell you, when I finished college, the last thing I want to do is read a book. That's what I was thinking. Like, I don't remember hearing that. Did you learn nope. that in your school? No, no, <laughs> they don't I teach that I in school. We were just going to learn to get good at a skill, and yep. then that was going to be the end of it. That yeah, was... I, I learned that uh, from my business coach. And, you know, again, like I said, when I was finished with college, there's probably about seven years where I was like, I didn't want to pick up any kind of book uh, and learn about anything. I just was like, I did all that. Now I'm going to go do. And it's easy to do that. And you have to put time aside and, and there's tons and tons of business books. I've learned more about business, just being in business the first year than I ever did in college and not to not college, but that's just the way it is. Um, mm -hmm. You learn by doing, and, and there's so many smart people out there. So, you know, find, find smart people, find things that you're interested in, learn about them and you'll be better for it. Thank you so much for your time today, David. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for tuning in and to stay in touch, email us at info at